You know what I mean? We need more men to stand up and, and lead the way. Mm-hmm. Most women are trying to be the leader. Mm-hmm. That's why you can't find a man. You can't be the king in the house. Fall back and be the queen and let your man lead, lead the way. You can't be the head of the house. You got to let the man be the head of the house. Lead by example. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you want your wife to be humble, walk in humility. If you want your wife to forgive, you be quick to forgive. If you want your wife to consider, you know, following you down a, a specific path, prove to her that you got the blueprint. And if she's not following you to some un- unknown destination, my wife don't have to follow anything that she don't see me demonstrate. Mm-hmm. So master the thing before you go out and try to teach it. It's like sometimes you see cats, as soon as they get a book and they read something, you start running trying to teach people on it, but you haven't applied it and gone through the proven grounds of being able to master that information yourself. So leadership is a forward-thinking thing. And when you do that, women's natural instinct is going to be to trust, to be able to submit their hearts. But again, it's like a dominant thing. Nah. Welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashri, a.k.a. Oldest White, a.k.a. Juice of Fruit. Um... Yeah, you know what's funny? I I started with this old clip of Fantasia on The Breakfast Club just talking about her take on gender norms and love and all of that. And I also then went to her husband elaborating on all of that. And I'm just like, you know, I don't care. But... <laughs> And I didn't care them, but I remember when I heard it, it started to, it made me reconsider my own love languages. Um, But now that I am pondering that and why I don't care, um, I think maybe it's time to have a conversation about both. I'll ta- I'll tackle the love language thing probably after, but just about responsibility to give a fuck about things that aren't your business. Like, you know, as a queer on one hand, as a queer person, this is not my business. And a lot of times, you know, I'll talk to straight people. The healer in me, the friend in me, is like helping people. Um, you know, wants to help folks and navigate their relationships and, you know, things like that. Um, particularly, you know, because I love love at the end of the day and I love my people to be happy, so I'll talk to them, whatever. But then, you know, I realize, like, this is not my business. None of these straight dynamics or you know are my business, so I don't really even need to worry about the politics of you know who's the head of what household in a straight relationship, what the role of women are what the role of women are the roles of women are um in in in, in contrast to men or like I don't have to do with any of this shit. I don't have to deal with a lot of the issues that relate to it, so it's really not my business on one hand. So when I first heard this, what it did for me was actually invest and prompt me to investigate my um, love language is how I to receive love and what my ideal dynamic is in a household. It prompted me to think about 
um, imagining and creating the perfect home for me rather than tackle the social or political issues and better than what she and her husband were saying. But then I thought about it on the flip side where it's like, is this really not my business? Like, are the, is this approach wise to be like, okay, the whole gendered, like, you know, who's the head of the household leadership, like investigating those and debunking or maybe exploring or confirming those myths or that this way of thinking and talking about its root and like conservatism and really highlighting how conservative um, the black community is and really getting into this conversation or the black community can be um, getting into that conversation as well. And there was a part of this that I cut out that was um, actually that was actually true. Um, Fantasia was talking about how uh, well she didn't say this exactly, but what she was saying was basically this the agenda of a racist um a a white supremacist nation to take black men um out of the home and use them really for labor um has left a lot of women doing all of the work in terms of raising kids and all the things, I mean, doing all the things. And a lot of that, the trauma of that can have, can make you very, can make anyone. And that's really the point that it can make anyone, woman or man, um, difficult to, or not amenable to compromise, the type of compromise that's needed in a relationship, right? But regardless, I mean, on the other side of the is this my business conversation was, well, truthfully speaking, in gay relationships, a lot of the imagination of our kid, of our young people is limited. So we often reproduce the gender norms that we see. Um, We reproduce the gender norms that we grew up with. We live with these tropes of what is is masculine, what is a man supposed to do, what kind of vulnerability is a man supposed to express. Um, You know, just really a limited, I shouldn't say limited, but we do reproduce these norms. So although... You know, I am queer. It is possible that I would reproduce these norms if I don't investigate them in myself. Um, But on the other hand, being queer is my interpretation of queerness is to try to liberate myself from a lot of different forms of, you know, colonialization or colonialism or like having a colonized mind. And part of that is an old patriarchal gender norms thing so as you can tell i've been going back and forth whether or not this is my business whether or not as somebody who cares about freedom and who um you know cares about love and supporting people whether or not i should force myself into having a conversation about the content of what she said or what they said um I did like what the husband said, though, about leadership in general. Um, although it's not wholly true that you need to be a master of a trade in order to lead someone um or coach someone to their own excellent performance in said trade, um, 
it is the case so that if you're teaching something, it'd be nice to actually know what you were talking about and to try to exemplify on a values basis. So, you know, he was talking about, you know, certain values and ethics in a, in a, in a relationship and how if you are leading a, a, a couple, you should, or leading, even as a father, you know, leading in a relationship, um, you should seek to exemplify that. And I thought that was a nice, like, sort of rounding out of what Fantasia was trying to say in the beginning. But what I'm more interested in, um, so I guess I've decided not to go into the conversations. I guess I'm just lightly touching on them, so if you're listening, you know, you can start to really think about the context. I personally um, won't be doing that today. Um, I'll be talking about something that is a bit thematic that relates to it. So... Okay, let me not be messy. All right, so I've been having this a theme. I've talked. I've spoken to two, or three of my friends in the past week and a half about something about the same thing, uh, about similar things, and I tend to do that. Everyone who, if you you know, if you know me, I tend to have thematic conversations in my life, which is why I'm probably good at a podcast. But like, I'll tend to group people into conversations. Um, but I realized a while ago, you know, I'm not sure if all of you are familiar with the love language, um, the love language sort of model, but, you know, there are, four, there are five love languages um, that and it's possible for people to receive and give love in different love languages. But there's a book by Gary Chapman. I'm not sure how old it is. I think it's I think it's at least like twenty five years old at this point. But, you know, he talks about five ways to express or experience love. And, you know, of the five ways, there's like gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And, you know, this guy was saying that his those five really cover everything. Um, and that there's one primary one and one secondary one. I, I'm i not going to pretend to debunk him. But, you know, when, when I was in a relationship, I realized that acts of service um, was my primary love language. And then really secondary, I mean, I could do like, quality time but all the other ones I like you know I like money so I like gifts like I like people that think for shit like so I can really deal with all of the other ones pretty motherfucking easily um but one that wasn't present that I felt strongly that does relate to what Fantasia was saying was deference and, you know, they use the language submit in their conversation a lot. You know, Fantasia versus her husband, not versus, but and, and her husband used the word submit a lot. And I think submit was a triggering word for social media. You know, I realized that for me, deference is my um, love language. Like, it's, and it's when, and it's not that I absolutely defer everything 
But the, I mean, because I don't, I would never, as you, I'm sure y'all can glean that from my personality. But for me, as somebody who is strong-willed, as someone who, and you know, is I'm not gonna say confrontational, but it's confrontational. As someone who fights for others, who cares about justice, um, I am going to go full steam ahead with if I have an opinion and you know if I think something is right. But for me. When I find someone, I have a couple of friends that I that fit this bill. When I find someone whose judgment and whose intentions, you know, I can trust fully. And who, if they're wrong, if I follow them and they're wrong, I know it's a faluke. Or I know I'm okay with riding with the consequence um, of our being wrong. Because I follow their advice or I follow their instinct. Um, that to me is one of the greatest ways I express love. And, you know, I talked a lot, I've spoken a lot about, um, you know, sexual assault, child sexual assault, I've spoken a lot about, you know, not too much about my family upbringing, but just, you know, I was raised by people that were also strong-willed that also and I've watched relationships play out that way and you know and it's not even something that I have to intellect like I'm not even you know I never thought I realized this in my behavior I didn't decide it it wasn't a deliberate choice I realized that when I love someone for real I just give them, you know, I just, and obviously not categorically, but I enjoy deferring in that way. So then I started thinking about, okay, well, you know, there are a lot of contexts, like, you know, does this point to like a um, a preference to like submission in a sort of a BDSM context? Does it point to, you know, you start to invest, at least for me, I started to investigate like, you know, does this indicates like heightened femininity or is this the way your feminine energy manifests itself if you want to use you know that model you know is it is it because you have a lot of feminine energy that you that defer, that deference is is part of how you express love you know a lot of these questions started coming up because i wasn't really sure I hadn't seen that play out in my life, you know. And what I'll say is I've seen people, you know, close to me wish they could defer. You know, they choose a partner that is not their match. And as a result, they're unable to defer. They have to take the lead. And they don't like that. You know, they don't like to have to take the lead. And that's kind of what I realized my part of my dynamic or my issue was. Is that once I feel like I have to take the lead, it becomes a burden on me and I never have the option of deferring. That's when... um, well, that usually results in a lack of respect. They usually stop respecting the person. But regardless, regardless, um, it really 
that love can't live there for me. Um, love can't live in the place where I have to always, always, always take the lead, at least not romantic, or I would say, you know, friend, a friendship. Um, and I, and I, because I know this is my thing, a lot of times I have to hold myself accountable in terms of my selection. You know, when I select folks or even when I maintain old friendships or start new friendships or whatever, and I know that I would literally never defer to this person's judgment. Like, and you know how that is. Like, you have a friend that, you know... Y'all used to y'all used to hoe together. Y'all used to you know skip down the avenue and and, and you know pick up the trade and, and you know y'all would hoe, y'all would go hoe, y'all would go you know have cute moments. You would go you know whatever. Not even just in the context of hoeing, but like friends that you know in a narrow context, you know, and and not even. To blame the friend. You were a different person back then. You know, back then you liked having relationships that, that you know, strokes your ego. You liked having relationships where you were the king and you're, you know, you were the, you were, you know, that nigga in the group. You were the Beyonce in the group. You liked being the Beyonce in the group. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you liked being the motherfucker that everybody was like, oh, oh. You know, which, what is Beyonce doing? You liked being Beyonce. And everybody fucking likes being Beyonce. Right? But then eventually you gotta wanna be more than Beyonce, or Beyonce didn't even wanna be Beyonce, right? Not Beyonce in the group. And not to shade Kelly, we love her, but, um, you know what I mean? Like, you, all of us, at a, I shouldn't say all of us, certain types of personalities liked being the Beyonce in the group. Enjoyed that moment. So you made a friend that supported you being the Beyonce in the group. You know? And then that friendship stayed and stayed and stayed. And your taste changed. Your needs changed. Or your needs stayed the same. But your commitment, your devotion to um, meeting said needs has changed. And now you realize being Beyonce in a group isn't going to get you there. You know, it's really not going to get you there. Um, so that was kind of a tangent, but it's not going to get you there because partly because the way you need love and the way you express love is, is impossible in the context of the relationship. Like, that friend that does shit, like, I used to have a friend's who was fine with taking whatever he could get. You know, like, a scammer. He was a scammer friend, essentially. Like, he was a scammer friend. And, you know, we love scammers. You know, as long as they're not scamming you, having a scammer friend is is, is like, you know, hey, bitch, get your, you know, st- do what you gotta do, and then you can tell me what not to do so that I don't get scammed. We like scammer friends, you know? Uh, I just, but now it's like, bro, 
<laughs> like I could never defer to your judgment. So I don't know how much love is actually here. I don't know how much respect is actually here. Um, because I don't fuck with scammers like that. It's not that I don't fuck with scammers. If you're an excellent scammer, <laughs> nah. <I'm... laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, what I was, uh, what I meant was like, what I don't like about scammers. It depends on what kind of scammer. Like, if you are a con art, if you just love getting by, you just want to get by. You don't need to, you just want to get the most for the least amount of effort, the most for the least amount of honesty, the most for the least amount of work and investment and truth and thing. like you're that kind of scammer. That's just like, yo, I'm a con artist. And I don't mean somebody who is literally a con artist. I mean people with con artist mentalities. And to me, the mentality of I want the most for the least, and I'm going to deliberately do the least. Like, I am unwilling to devote any actual effort into something, but I'm still going to expect greatness, excellence, commitment, um, you know, all these things. Like, to me, that is a con artist. And I fuck with con artists in general. Like, fine, like, whatever. As long as you don't fuck with me and my money and my shit, I'm good. But I can't... I don't have a lot of respect for that mentality, right? So I don't... At the end of the day, like, I really can't love them. You know what I mean? So, like, (laughs) all the... (laughs) Um, But regardless, okay. All right. Um, so that's like, I guess that's kind of what I was, that was kind of it on the deference point. I wanted to um, talk a bit about something else that I, that I realized um, recently in the context of relationship and, you know, friendship and all of these things. I believe that people, the roles that people take in relationships should be appropriate or should at least correspond to their gifts. Um, And a little bit of this is a bit of a queer orientation because I am stripping away gender and all that from that. Um, But beyond that, like outside of a queer or even like intellectual context, I was thinking about how the world hardens us and makes us, in some cases, behave in opposition to our natural orientation, our spiritual gifts, our purpose, and how this also manifests in relationships. So I have a friend that I love dearly who is probably one of the most sensitive souls ever. And, well, in the context of relationship and friendship, you know, they are the type of people or person that, you know, if they love you, if they care for you, not even love, (laughs) if they care for you in any way, if you are sad, if you, you don't even have to be sad. You can say, I don't like water. 
And the next time you go to their house, there's going to be Coca-Cola for you and no water in sight, only unless they're drinking it. You know, you don't even have to... It could be... You know, I don't like watching the sunset, you know, wearing purple. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden... There's no purple shirts. They done got rid of the purple. Like, it's just to the point where their sensitivity to your preferences, um, if they care about you, because if they don't, it's the exact opposite, um, is really weighs on their heart, weighs on their conscience. And... You know, someone like that, someone who genuinely derives joy and whose spirit is aligned that way, can be easily manipulated and easily taken advantage of. Someone can control their behavior by saying little passive-aggressive comments about their preferences. And this, this person will choose... You know, we'll have severe guilt for not behaving in accordance to this, you know, whoever their loved one's preference or the person that's manipulating them in their preference. And unfortunately, it happens to this person a lot where they're manipulated by these offshoot comments and then talk to me about it. And I'm just like, fuck that person or fuck that preference, you know, like. I don't care what this person wants. Do what you want. But my friend is not oriented that way. And a lot of times I say, you know, to the extent that it's healthy, to the extent that it's truly, that it's not, you know, derived from trauma, I never want to tell this person to change, right? Because that sensitivity, that, that, thoughtfulness, the ability to anticipate needs and follow through and execute, to be so perceptive, to, you know, to have a diffuse awareness like that, like that, and to have an open heart and a confidence to, to do this and not feel like your ego is being erased, like, that's a beautiful thing. I would never tell this person to change. But, it dawned on me that, you know, there are some people on this earth that if they are going to remain as they are or as they're meant to be, need to be protected. You know, this person, people like this need to be protected. And it might not be appropriate for this person to play the role as protector in certain contexts, like maybe not in a home context. I mean, I've known this person for a long time, and this person is a good person and loyal. And all. I mean, you must be loyal to fuck with me because that's that's like number one on my list, like loyalty. But, um, you know, is susceptible to being manipulated, and I wouldn't necessarily put this person in role of protector um, because of that sensitivity. For me, and on a personal note, I am a fierce protector of other people. You know, I protect the fuck out of my family and friends, you know, 
But I also have a, a, a keen sense of justice, so sometimes niggas deserve what they get. But um, I hate having to having to protect myself, you know, because that's not my natural orientation. You know, I am someone who cares about the healing of others, who cares about telling others stories, you know, messaging on behalf of others, advocating on behalf of others. You know, I prefer to be in that role. So that makes me a fierce protector of other people. It makes me confrontational and run to conflict, but it's also easy for me to forget my own struggle and forget my own to advocate for myself. And it could put me in situations where, you know, I have put myself last and not quite put myself last in a in a good in a way that deserves any kind of praise. Like I should have been, you know, what about my chance for happiness? What about my chance to pursue my dreams, for example? Why it took me so long. Well, not so long. I don't want to judge myself. But, you know, why it took me as long as it's taken me to pursue music and just um, media. Um, Like, all of these things, I put second or last and then yes I can protect myself I have protected myself if you know me you know how I give it up you know but that's not the best use of my gifts that's not what I'm I'm not here to fight for me and if I fight for me I end up using the abilities that I have the gifts that I have I end up using them for evil and that's why when I fight for me I tend to go a little over the line <laughs> because it's not I am the kind of person that in an intimate relationship or in you know friendships I need protection you know I need to be advocated for you know I need someone to hold me down in that way and in relationships, I don't think I, I recently realized that I have never really stated that. You know, I've never, well, up until recently, I told one of my friends, but um, I never really had that moment. And I realized that people see me and they know how I, especially if you've known me for a long time, you know how I give it up. So no one thinks that I would need that because they know, you know, that I'm not, you know, the hands will, I will dust them off if need be. They know that the tongue is sharp, quick, you know, it's so people don't think that, but I realize. That now and as I'm aging and sort of coming into another chapter of my life, that I need to use my gifts and my abilities and my powers, you know, in the most impactful and efficient way possible. I need to use my energy efficiently and pouring my abilities and my, you know, talents or allocating them or employing them into something that fundamentally compromises them um, it's just not what I need to be doing and the most efficient sort of setup is to actually give people who give other people some of this work and in relationship to require 
to require people to or to enlist them to do some of this work for me. The challenge, though, is that it's in selection. You know, not only do you have to communicate and be open and transparent and all of that and actually give people the room to do it, but you have to choose people that will support this type of dynamic. You have to choose a community that is skilled enough to take on this work and not even just to take on this work, but to help you, you know, really help you align your energies with your goal with with your purpose with your you know objectives or whatever um and a lot of times we don't make that selection a lot of times we are stuck in a social environment or even a private environment that a older version of us created without this knowledge and as a result um our energies are sort of permanently misaligned and you know not permanently but situationally misaligned and it requires a sort of destroying and rebuilding of your environment and you know this all connects to what I was saying, what Fantasia was saying, and her homeboy, her husband was saying. I shouldn't say homeboy; that's disrespectful. Because you know, there is truth to roles. You know, to there being role roles and um, you know, efficient configurations. Um, in a certain dynamic, I just, you know, am not riding the patriarchy wave and I'm not doing all that. But I, I do think that, well, it inspired me to think deeply and sort of consider my own life. And, you know, there is a conversation to be had, as I mentioned before, about things along gender lines. But I feel like it's just, you know, I get overwhelmed pretty easily by things like that. And I feel like it's just so difficult for me to tackle that without tackling patriarchy and all the other like the whole thing but um i am heading out so i love you all i'll talk to you next week have a fun week and uh yeah yeah